0: Hey there, welcome to episode 26, Leader as Coach, High Support, High Challenge. I'm excited about today's podcast because I interview an author, Ian Day, from the UK. He has written or co-authored a book called Challenging Coaching. And what we're going to talk about today are two some skills that leaders need. And it's a coaching skill called High Support, High Challenge, where you balance, learn how to balance both of those when you're working with your employees. He shares a concept called the zone of uncomfortable debate, ZOUD. Z-O-U-D, and we're going to talk about that and how you can use that concept to help you lead people to greatness and help you be a better leader and a better coach. You're going to understand what the cozy club is or if you're causing stress, and you're going to, we're going to talk about how you get to that optimal performance part, which is the balance between high support and high challenge. Challenge by getting in the area, moving from cozy club or the stress area with employees as a coach and moving to the loving boot area, which is uh, going to gain higher performance. We talk about barriers that keep leaders from being effective in this area, and we're going to talk about another matrix that ties in with high support, high challenge, and that is finding the balance between freedom and responsibility great interview great information I think will help every leader listening Uh, it helps me as a coach and I'm very excited to share this with you today so let's get started
1: Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Suzy Price.
0: Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast. My name is Suzy Price. I am a professor Facilitator, consultant, and author, and your host for this podcast today. And my company is Priceless Professional Development, where we focus on building energy, commitment, and communication in organizations. And I have been with uh, created Priceless Professional Development thirteen years ago, and I love what I get to do every day. I, uh, I know I've said this in previous podcasts, but I'll still be doing this when I'm ninety if people will still hire me. So I get to do. Uh, over the past month I've gotten to do just to give you an example uh, coach people one-on-one usually I do shorter sessions or shorter length of sessions you know three to six sessions Um, and then a lot of that is over the phone I do speaking engagements so I go out and speak to groups I do a lot of employee selection where I'm helping leaders make decisions who's a fit who's not a fit based on assessment results to help you look under the covers around that I do team building events and, uh, Workshops for leaders, and I just love what I get to do. And so, and I also love this interview today. So I'm excited to share it with you. As I mentioned in the opening, it's an interview with Ian Day. He is the co-author of a book I have found particularly helpful. Uh, the book, the full title of the book, is "Challenging Coaching: Going Beyond the Traditional Coaching to Face the Facts." Going Beyond Traditional Coaching to Face the Facts. He has a co-author for the book, and I want to mention his name. His name is John Blakey. So. Ian called in from the UK and a very sincere person and I want to tell you a little bit about him before we go into the interview Uh, but he is a coach, facilitator and speaker he works at board and management levels for blue chip international clients he has a degree in psychology and he spent 20 years in human resource and development roles with large organizations in industries like leisure and tourism healthcare, utilities and he uh, was the the head of talent management for an uh, international company so he's got the corporate experience and then he has the experience as an individual coach and he was inspired to um expand on his coaching expertise when he was the head of talent management for an international group and he had a great coach and uh, he says in his bio that that was an inspiring and turning point for him and so he has advanced uh coaching and mentoring uh, certificates and diplomas and it led him to the work he he has done around coaching other coaches coaching leaders and then also writing the book so i want you to know about their website it's challenging coaching co.uk challengingcoaching.co.uk and it'll be in the show notes. Um, they also have a challenging coaching group on LinkedIn, and you'll see that when you go to their website if you're interested in that or want to go to LinkedIn to um, find out more about that group. I'm actually a part of that group. So I want you to know about that. And then um, I wanted you to know that their book challenging coaching is on audible.com now i uh ordered the book in paperback and and if you see my copy it's tabs the pages are turned down it's marked through there's post-it notes because lots of lot of good material very relevant it's a fresh view on coaching and it uh is finds the right real world balance in my opinion between support and challenge and that's really what we're going to talk about Um, but i wanted you to know it was a surprise to me that the book is available on audible.com and i just downloaded it. So I'll be listening to it as well. Um, I find if I listen and I read, especially on subjects that I really want to ingrain as habits in my work or in my life, uh, listening and reading and marking up are are ways that I learn best. So I don't know what works for you, but I was excited that it's on audible.com. That also works because we're in our cars a lot and we have downtime sometimes and if you love to learn that's a great way to continue to learn and audible.com supports podcasters so I have if you use my affiliate link which is pricelessprofessional.com slash audible a-u-d-i-b-l-e if you use that link and sign up uh, with a 30-day trial you get a free credit for a free book whether you keep the trial or not it's a way for audible to support podcasting um, and to market themselves. And so if you use my link, and uh, you can go get the book, Challenging Coaching. So again, the link for my um, affiliate link is pricelessprofessional.com slash audible. And the affiliate link just gives me credit. It's not a big amount of money. It's a small amount, but it's a way to, um, like I said, support the podcast. So love for you to get it if you love audible.com. I want you to know about the show notes. It's at uh, pricelessprofessional.com slash support challenge lowercase all one word pricelessprofessional.com slash support challenge there you'll find the show notes there are a couple of models that we reference in the podcast and talk about during the interview and a quote that uh, ian mentions and talks about all of that is in the show notes if you're using the app you know we have a pricelessprofessional.com app if you're using the app just click on the uh, on the album art which has a picture of the wake Up your workforce podcast there click on that and it'll move up and you'll see the show notes but you can also go on to your browser uh, pricelessprofessional.com support challenge and you'll get the links and, and you can see the images so let's get started go towards the podcast here and and learn more about ian and learn more about these important coaching tools for leaders
2: Okay, Ian, so glad to have you on the call today. I really appreciate uh, what you created in the work that you and John Blakely wrote around Coaching Challenge, and I'm so interested to get to know you, and I know uh, people who are listening to this podcast want to know more about you, so we're going to start out with some fun questions okay. um, and have you tell us uh, about your favorite Guilty Pleasure TV
3: show. Yes. Uh, well, it's a pleasure being with you, Susie. Thanks very much for inviting me along. Um yeah, my guilty pleasure TV show is one that my my wife absolutely hates and wonders why I, I watch it uh, season after season, and it's the uh, the Walking Dead. So I watch that religiously and have my um, the zombie pleasures uh, satisfied and my bit of escapism. So that's that's my guilty pleasure TV show.
2: Ah, uh, I think my college roommate. I saw her recently, and I'm a long <laughs> way away from college. But I think she was telling me about that Walking Dead. You have to watch it. Well, yeah, it's, it's, you
3: it's, like you know, it, it, huh? A
2: few seasons
3: now, so yeah, it's it's, it's, a, it's
2: a good one. And is it just the storyline is so cool, or is it the escapism, or what is it?
3: Yeah, I think it's the escapism because what it is is, although it's a, a program about a zombie apocalypse, you know, it's a complete fantasy. But it's it's more about the the human struggles between. Between people, and I think that's the thing that interests me. I mean, the the zombies are fairly irrelevant, actually. It's the the relationships and the tensions and the struggles that the 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 people have, the humans have. Uh, So that's why I find it so interesting.
2: Okay, so now I need to watch it. Now this is the second (laughs) person. If I hear it again, it's definitely you know it comes in threes.
3: But maybe I need to
2: watch it, especially about the relationships and seeing that
3: piece of it. That's what I do. If if there's a TV program, a movie, or a book, one person watches it or recommends it, I I don't necessarily take any notice, but if two or three people do, then it's definitely something to pay attention to.
2: Yeah, it could be a a message uh, of, hey, you're going to get something out of this, or answer to a question that I've asked that I don't even know it's an answer to. So, very good. Mm. Okay, next time we talk, we'll compare notes about Walking Dead. (laughs) Okay, another fun to get to know you question is what is your favorite possession?
3: yeah no that's an interesting one and, and that's, that's thats quite a tricky one for me to answer because i am I'm not really into into cars or possessions or expensive watches or anything you know so was was an interesting question, but i suppose i look at i look at my 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 left hand and i've got i've got my wedding ring on there, and I look at my right hand and I've got another ring, which is the ring that I got when my my daughter was born. And I suppose well, lots of people have have rings on their fingers, but I guess to me they're pretty they're pretty special because I've been married to my wife for 16 years now, we had a daughter 11 years ago. But my wife got particularly ill in the pregnancy, so it was a very very unpleasant time, difficult time. She she almost passed away. She was in oh. hospital for something like four months or so, Ow. and it was a pretty difficult time to deal with. So every day I'd go and see her and be with her and be by her bedside. And touching our wedding ring was pretty important. Having that on my hand was pretty important. And then when my our daughter was born, then I got another ring that was with a similar design, and I've got that on my right hand. So every time I look at the rings, I feel them. I feel that, you know, I'm blessed what I've got. I've got a beautiful wife, and I've got a beautiful daughter who's now 11 years old a couple of weeks ago. So, oh. you know, they're constant memories. Those possessions are constant memories of, of what, what we went through and and the happy ending that came about as well.
2: A constant reminder of what really matters, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Those, these these things are important. So having an expensive watch, having a big car, that's not important. Having the rings on your fingers that uh, mean so much, that, that's what's important to me. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's beautiful. And your wife is uh, all well and made it all through oh, yeah. all of that.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, awesome. yeah, we're a happy, healthy family, It's great.
2: Oh, that's beautiful. I love that you shared that. Congratulations. On all of it.
3: Thank you. Thank you. So
2: we'll we'll hop into our topic today. Um I been told you told you previously before we started the recording how much I've gotten out of your book and how excited I am that it's now on audible.com the book challenging coaching going beyond traditional coaching to face the facts so I've just ordered it on audible.com and so I'm going to be listening to it as I'm uh, running around doing errands and stuck in Atlanta traffic if anybody's been in Atlanta they know what kind of traffic situation we have so um, I'm just so excited about the book and so many of the concepts in the book, and there's so much that I can learn from it and am learning from it, and I think the listeners can. So I thought we could start with uh, you, if you uh, could just share an, uh, an overview on the FACTS model, i I'm a big yeah. acronym fan. I do acronyms in so many things that I do, so that totally spoke to me. And The F-A-C-T-S is a model, and it yeah. stands for... Uh, Things that you, I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly, you can correct me, but it's a model for coaching and leadership and it's things that if you do this, you're going to be a stronger coach, a stronger leader. And so talk to us a little bit about that model and, and why these aspects of that model are important to leaders who are working to be better coaches.
3: Yeah, well, thanks very much for your support and interest, Susie, so it's, it's great to hear your enthusiasm, and, and this was the passion that really started John Blakey and I on the journey of, of developing the book a number of years ago. And we'd, John and I worked as partners in a, in a small consultancy specializing in, in leadership development, and we were trying to think. Well, what what makes our coaching effective? What what makes it unique difference, and what makes it work? And we were we we spend a lot of time travelling to clients and and working together. So we had a lot of time in cars or time on trains, just just an opportunity to talk this through and coach each other. Um, and we came down to this this acronym, which is facts, and it's a model that really is about distilling what makes our coaching effective and makes our coaching challenging and what makes that work and it's it talks about facts in the sense that the f stands for feedback the a is accountability the c is courageous goals the t is tension and the s is systems thinking and we feel that these are pretty equally important so it's not like a linear model it's not one that you start off with a feedback then you go to accountability right it's it, these are almost like cornerstones of uh of, of a five-sided shape that are equally important and they're things that when i'm coaching i keep in mind that for my coaching to be as effective as possible and to be as challenging as possible i need to do all five i need to keep all of those in, in my mind and it might not be in one meeting that i do everything but i know that over the course of the coaching assignments six sessions nine sessions whatever it might be that i look at providing feedback every single opportunity i look at holding the coach accountable for the actions that they've agreed to take or the relationship and the contract that we've developed i look early on at setting courageous goals you know what what's the what's the the coach's equivalent of winning an olympic gold medal um I look at using tension. So I see tension as a fairly dynamic energy in a meeting. So is it too low and we're just a little bit bored? Or is it too high and we're a little bit too stressed? And trying to gauge it and optimize it to to a most effective level. And also the systems thinking is looking at what's happening in the system You know, the system of our relationship, the system of the the person within the context of their team, their family, their organization, society as a whole. So just bearing in mind all of those five elements and working with them to ensure that the coaching is as good as possible. And I very much come from an organizational background. So I'm very much from business, um, very much pragmatic and practical. And I, I see these working and they hit the mark with business leaders and they seem to resonate and they, they, they just seem to make a significant difference to the coaching practice, which is great to see.
2: And what makes this different? I have in my mind what I've seen different from you know, other coaching models, um, and you hit on a little bit of what it is. It's very much uh it's a, a good fit for organizations, I believe. But yeah. what what makes this different? than what you typically hear when people are talking about leader as a coach or, or just a coaching model? What would you say? What makes this different?
3: Yeah. Well, I think the difference here is the balance of support and challenge. So there's a, a piece of research that was done some time ago that's been replicated and ratified a number of times, which shows that people learn and grow best when there's a balance of support and challenge. So if there's too much challenge, then people tend to burn out the there's a sort of an overload and overwhelming um, sense that they, they aren't able to cope, they can't respond to uh, to whatever they're dealing with. But the alternative is when there's too much support, then there's a lot of empathy, there's a, a lot of trust, but it doesn't necessarily move per, uh, somebody on from where they are uh, and take them out of their comfort zone, which might be required in terms of the change they face. So the, the unique thing about Challenger Coaching and FACTS is this balance of support and challenge trying to get to this position where we you can calibrate the coachee where are they do we need to increase the, the level of support do we need to increase the level of challenge and trying to, trying to use it very dynamically and i think a lot of the coaching schools and coaching professional bodies focus a lot on the supportive side of that equation so it's all about Empathy, it's all about rapport. It's all about tr- developing trust. It's all about reflecting back, asking open questions, active listening, which are great foundation skills. But I don't think they're sufficient to help senior executives, senior leaders who are robust characters. I don't think that's sufficient to help them move and develop and change. So I think you have to have this balance of support and challenge, and that's that's where uh, the challenging coaching comes in, and I think that's what makes it unique
2: that's exactly what i thought when i was reading it and i um what i hear you t- when you say t- uh, reading the tension is it low or high looking yeah. at the balance is it is it uh, do we have a good balance between support and challenge um that is when i was reading what you were in the book, I was like, this is it, this is it, because I can be very supportive, but there are times when I have been very challenging, and then I get all challenging to the coachee, because it felt right, and I was in the zone, I'm saying, I've got this figured out, because I don't, but um, it felt Mm -hmm. right to do it, and then after I got off the call, I I was doubting myself a bit, you know, thinking, okay, did I push too hard, And, and it has worked out, so it's, you know, my, yeah. the end result was it worked, but there was a lot of inner confusion for myself. And I think I see it in leaders, too, about how much do I dial up, how much do I dial down. And we tend to uh, trend towards one or the other, depending on our background and how we were mentored and our style. are either high support or high challenge. And, and when they go into the other places, they're not the strongest, um, have doubt you know, about, is that the right yeah. thing to do? So that's why I love this topic of high support, high challenge, because it, it gives everybody permission.
3: Yeah, give the support,
2: but also give the challenge.
3: Yeah, but it's an interesting word, permission, because I've had that feedback from a number of coaches, a of experienced coaches who said, your book gives me the permission to break the rules. And it's almost like the rules that are imposed by professional bodies or coaching schools, that you've got to have person-centered, non-directive, uh, supportive coaching, but yep. we say, yep. well, you can you can break the rules. Be authentic. Be genuine. Use the skills that you've got to help the coachee achieve the goals that they've faced.
2: Yep. Yep. That's good. That's real good. So, you have to be willing to go push not push that's not the right word help people get out of their comfort zone and i love this yeah. term that you have in the book called uh, the acronym is z o u d zone of uncomfortable debate tell yeah. us about that and and i think a lot of people probably cha- are challenged with the challenge side of this so tell us about z o u d yeah
3: i think i think uh, we pronounce it zood but i guess it's meant to be zoned but uh, this was originally no, something i, probably don't have I it right Food. <laughs> okay, got it. Like food. Whichever way works for you. But um, so this is this is a model that I came across a number of years ago by uh Professor Cliff Bowman of Cranfield School of Management over in the UK here, and it's really a conversation model, a model of how people interact. So there's two people in a conversation, and typically we we enter a conversation by going into a fairly easy area where we're talking about. Matter of fact, things that we could be catching up on the news. What did you do at the weekend? Uh, you know, we British love to talk about the weather, so we'll talk about that. <laughs> you might, you might be catching up on the uh, the office office gossip, whatever that might be. So it's typically low tension, easy relationship building um, areas of discussion. So that's what's known as the sort of the the zone of comfortable debate. It's it is comfortable. It's easy. There's there's nothing there, but. If you need it to be more than a social conversation, if there's an issue to address, then you have to move on through that area. And you've got to move into an area that is described as the area of um, the zone of uncomfortable debate. So that's when you start to maybe say things that would increase levels of tension. You may say things that risk breaking rapport. You may have to provide somebody with the feedback that their performance or what they did wasn't as they expected it so it is holding up the mirror or holding the feet to the fire whichever you 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 want to say but it can feel uncomfortable it can feel pretty tense and what often happens is we enter that area we feel the tension we feel that there's the risk of permanently damaging this relationship and so we exit out of that area and back into the zone of comfortable debate so we, we we diffuse the tension we we go back to the the sort of the um, the conversations about the weather and uh, what they're gonna do with the family at the weekend. So we never really address the issue, we never get to the heart of the matter because we've avoided it, we've exited from this zone of uncomfortable debate. So I think if we need to resolve an issue, if we need to help a coache get to a a goal, then we need to be able to hold tension, work with the zone of uncomfortable debate, hold that discomfort skillfully and work through it so they can achieve some sustained fundamental change that is what they're seeking is what they're looking for but you know we've, we've got to be able to work with discomfort and uh and for the benefit of the coaching
2: that is so i'm thinking about that and i'm thinking okay i think i've gotten better at that i used to completely shy away from that and i'm trying to think of how did i get better what do you say? How do people get better? One, maybe even knowing that there's such a concept and there's value to it, but how do people get comfortable and be willing to hold the tension if, if they usually are those people that exit out?
3: What can they say yeah, or do
2: or think? There's a, there's
3: a number of things there. I think it is um, as, as, you know, self-awareness. I'm, I'm a coach. I'd say everything comes down to self-awareness. The more aware you are, the more you can do, the more change you can possibly make. So I think right. it's being aware aware of yourself uh, and it, it could be that you you just reflect on situations where you might have uh, diffused the tension, you might have exited out of the zone of uncomfortable debate, and you think about, well, okay, why did I do that? What was the trigger? What happened? So there's, there's that bit of self-reflection, right? But there is there is also the thing of of just practice. I think with anything, if you practice, you get better. If you can stretch and hold the tension for ten seconds longer than previously. Yep. Right, good. Then diffuse it. The next time, twenty seconds. So it's just it's just stretching yourself, practicing and realizing that it worked, it was okay. Not nothing nothing significant happened. The relationship didn't break down, the person didn't storm out of the room saying you are a horrible person, then want to talk to you again. Yeah. So it's just it's just doing it and and reflecting and seeing that it works. So that practice. Yep. Is really important. Yep.
2: That's good. And I think Hey, maybe we could add to that list uh, mentors, models, people you've seen that do it yeah. really well. Absolutely.
3: And I've been mm-hmm.
2: fortunate with some of that, and that's how – because I grew up, you know, where we just didn't talk about stuff, and there was no yeah. – um, was always Zona comfortable, except it was always uncomfortable because nobody talked about anything, <laughs> you know, it's always this underlying tension. And so me realizing that and working through that and doing my own personal work around that, but then uh, outside of that, having ma- role models,
3: you yeah. know, people I who think, are I think that's really good important. at that. What do you think? Yeah, it's really important because I think you're, you're brought up in a family environment and, and, and that feels normal. So having a role model, having a mentor... That shows you that it can be done differently. It's, it it gives you the permission. It gives you the confidence to try it. That's really important. Yep. So that's good.
2: And and just even knowing that there's a concept zone of uncomfortable debate, and that there's you know the benefit. What's the benefit of uh, zood? What would you say? What were the ben- What are the benefits of it for a well, coach
3: uh, my, or a leader for yeah, the coach so, too? I think you get to the heart of the matter. There's, there's an issue at hand. There's a change that needs to be made. And I think most changes in organisations or wherever comes down to individual behaviour. So it gets to that issue of what's what's the habits that might need to be changed? What's the thing that's getting in the way of, of creating a, a, a wonderful future? So it gets to that issue quicker rather than... Um, avoiding it it's you know if you think about uh, you know a, a river with rocks in the river and the river flowing downhill and the, it always finds a way to go around the rock and over years and years it eventually erodes the rocks but if we could do that faster it gets to the heart of the matter remove the rock out the stream and the water flows much swif- swift much more swiftly and gets to its destination faster and that's what this is about you get there quicker so the leaders they they achieve their goals faster. Or they overcome obstacles quicker. For the the coachee, it's it's exactly the same. They achieve greatness more quickly. And for the coach, it's, it's, it's hugely satisfying to see the transformation. Yep.
2: And, you know, the word I was thinking about as you were saying this, I think when I first started being more direct and not dancing around things so much, just in my own personal life and professional life, I thought to myself, wow, I'm really being grown up. <laughs> it felt very adult, yeah. you know, like I'm yeah. having an adult conversation. I'm not retreating uh, out of whatever my insecurities are. I'm having a an adult conversation here, and it feels good.
3: Yeah, well, that's a great thing to say, and I think that's what coaching is about. It's about being adults, being equals, and it's really important to work together as equals in a coaching relationship.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yep. It's interesting if you talk about practice. I can think of someone that I've worked with for a while and um this person has gotten so much better at directly talking to folks that work for him or specifically about what's working or what's not working. Used to yeah. dance around it, and of course, I I completely saw that because I've seen it in myself, and and is now I've witnessed it and been on you know three way calls and just been really impressed with uh, how he's grown, and it has been mm. practice and and discussion and a lot of, a lot of little working on it. How am I going to say it? What am I going to say? You know, he would do some of that, and um, and it all was part of the process for him. But he's thousand percent better than he was say a year ago. And yeah, saying, you know what the rock is, and it needs to be removed, and here's why.
3: And <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's a great example. That's exactly what it's about. I think what's important to emphasise with this i it's it, it, it's not about being aggressive or rude. It's about it's about you, you can say these things which are which are clear and precise and direct, but you can do it in a very a very polite, professional, rational way. Yep. So. You don't become emotional. You you don't become offensive. You don't become rude. But that's it's quite clearly not about that. It's about just saying saying things directly. It's about direct communication and what's what's going on there, what you're thinking and what you're feeling, what you've noticed in a in a very matter of fact way with a neutral tone of voice. But it gets the message across very clearly about yep. what's happening. Yep.
2: And what can somebody do that is not feeling matter of fact? Say as a leader, they're frustrated with someone. They've let it go on too long. They need to have these conversations. How do they get themselves to a matter of fact place? What do you see? Is it uh, pre- preparation? What What would you say?
3: Yeah, I think um, I, th- I think sometimes it is important to show emotions. So if somebody's frustrated, if somebody's disappointed, then it's important to show the emotion um because that's been that's been genuine, that's been authentic, otherwise you you' asking somebody to act right. as if they were a robot. so I think it's important that people are free to express their frustration, but you you, you don't do it as if you're telling off a child, you know it's, it's uh-huh. about these these people are adults they're in business uh together, they probably don't go there deliberately to do something wrong or make a mistake or lose a client or whatever. So it's about talking it through on an adult to adult basis, being quite objective about what was seen, what was heard, what happens. It's quite factual. Um but if the emotion comes out, okay. Let it come out as authentic, but not in an uncontrolled way. So it's, we're we're asking people to express emotions but not to lose control, not to lose their temper. Um Do it in a way that is genuine but controlled.
2: Yeah. So some of the coaching around that could be, um, you know, don't do it when your child was up all night and you didn't sleep. That's not when you're going to have the conversation. When you're rested, don't do it when you're hungry. Don't do it when you're, uh, you know, when you can plan out, you know, these conversations try to come from a more full gas, my gas tank is full place, and then I like what you said, and it's something we've taught in the past about, uh, it's what you've seen and what you've heard, so you try to stay um, more around the facts as opposed to yeah. making, you know, broad, vague statements.
3: Yeah. I mean, that helps. Uh, That's really important, because you're talking about concrete detail there, rather than something somebody can't understand, and that's conceptual. Um but if, I think it's also the preparation bit is very important. So prepare yeah. yourself mentally for that conversation. But also, I think the first few words that come out of your mouth are the most important ones. So just think about what's that What's that first sentence you're going to say when you raise this issue? And that's yeah. that's the most crucial that sets the tone. So does, does somebody become defensive? Do they become aggressive? And it's all going to be about those first few words that uh, are said.
2: Then I think about the person I was talking about that has uh made such great improvement, uh, we've had a lot of conversation about him uh scripting out what to say and how it's gonna be said and yeah. um and and now none of that has to happen because or he does it himself and it's a lot quicker but initially because there was such a such a fear of being challenging uh in this way, uh the preparation really worked. Yes. Yeah, I like what you said. How you open it,
3: yeah, means mm, crucial. So the preparation, as you say, the more skilled you get, the less preparation is needed. So it could be just, just as you're walking to the meeting, that's all you might need. But to start off with, you might need ten or fifteen minutes just to think about how you're going to approach this conversation.
2: Right. Yep. And when you're in the middle of it, and there's been you know a lot of examples, and you know, and if you're somebody who talks to think uh, type mm-hmm. of personality, then you know you have to kind of do all of that ahead of time so that you can come in and be specific. Otherwise, yeah. it'll be rambling and unclear and that type of thing. Yeah.
3: That's that's it. And you've got to give time for the other person to talk. So I think that yeah. sometimes leaders find these conversations uncomfortable and difficult, and they 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 fill silences, they keep on talking. I mean, it, it, sometimes you've just got to hold yourself back. You've just got to ask a question, let the person talk, uh, allow the space to, to hear what the other person has got to say. Uh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Crucial piece of the puzzle is what do you think, how you feel, what your thoughts. Yeah. So there's a dialogue. Like you said, adult to adult. That's
3: it. Yeah, yeah, you don't understand the other person's perspective, what happens, um... So it's 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 about understanding, it's about being curious. It's not being accusatory or judgmental, it's about I, being curious. Yep. That's a that's a changer too mm. in attitude.
2: Be curious or if you think of the seven habits, you know, seek first to understand. So I'm gonna yeah, go in absolutely. and I'm gonna understand what I see, but now I wanna understand what they see and what they're experiencing too, and so yeah. that I can better understand. That's it. So talk a little bit about the support challenge matrix. There is uh different references to it in the book. Um on page 17 there's one matrix there that shows yeah. um, support on the bottom, challenge on the top and uh a little bit about, you know, the higher the perf- the higher performance goes when you have the mix of both. And then you talk a little bit about on page 19 um the four quadrants, cozy club, so on. Yeah. Talk a little bit about that, if you would.
3: Yeah, so earlier on, I suspect people grow and develop best when there's a support and challenge, it's ideal balance. And what we did, we, we turned that into a, a two-by-two matrix, so we've got support on one axis, challenge on the other. And what we said is if you coach around this, then it's likely to be that you're going to have four characteristics, possibly. So if you're in low challenge and low support, then it's likely that if he's coaching in that area, that the coach will be fairly apathetic. So they'll be, they won't really care. They'll be going through the motions. It'll be there'll be inertia. There won't be a lot happening. So, low support, low challenge. If the coach was operating there, there's not a lot happening except maybe drinking coffee, which is not good yeah. for anybody. So, yep. it, it, it's not likely to progress into a relationship. Uh, that's going to make some change. So coaching session one might drift into coaching session two, and there might not be a session three because it's ineffective. Leaders want more. Then if you go up and increase the level of support, but you've still got low challenge. So it's high support, low challenge. We've got what we describe as as the cosy club. Now, this is is where there's a lot of empathy. There's a lot of rapport. There's a lot of um, relationship building. So it feels good. It's cosy. But it's almost like a social club that it's just about the relationship. There's no movement. There's no moving somebody on. And if you look at uh, the high challenge but low support, so that means that there's a lot of provocation. There's a lot of um, trying to do something you've never done before, stepping into the unknown, but there's no support that goes with it. Then that's what we might describe as a stress box, that somebody just comes overwhelmed. And... um, I used to work with uh, with Olympic athletes and uh, Olympic rowers, and the, the sort of arrangements that the the Olympic athlete had with his coach was that he would he would be pushed so hard, and at the end of the training session he would, he would vomit because it was just wow. pushing him so far. Now that was okay for their contract but it's not gonna it's not gonna be appropriate for business people in organisations to push them so far that they're gonna they're gonna throw up in a coaching session. That's completely uh, completely outrageous. So, the final area, which is top right, is where there is high challenge and high support. So, you've got this balance of the two, so it's high challenge and high support. So, this is what we describe as the, as the loving boost area. And this is almost like you you give somebody a nudge, you give somebody a kick, but it's a kick with the intention of helping them move to where they want to be, to help them achieve their goal. And sometimes it's just they need a gentle gentle kick in the right direction to move out the comfort zone, change the habits, to do something different, to take a risk. So it's that. Do something different, but I believe you can do it and I believe you'll be alright. So it's that balance of support and challenge. And those are the four quadrants that we talk about. And sometimes you could say, well, it might be appropriate for a coach to act at different times in any one of those quadrants. Now, I described the, the, the stress box in a the uh, negative way, but there might be somebody who just gets stuck. Yeah. Coaching and leaders that just Seems to be stuck. Doesn't seem to be making progress. No matter how hard you try, you can't understand what's happening. So sometimes there might be a short, provocative statement that might just jolt them, might just shock them, might just surprise them. So you might be high challenge, low support, for instance, right. and that might be sufficient just to break them and get them to think about doing something differently, and would create that breakthrough that leads to their their achievements of their goals. So that that could be that could be appropriate. Um, Cozy club. I remember coaching somebody. Some time ago, and this was third session, third coaching session into our our coaching assignments, and he he was late for the meeting. He rushed in and said, uh, Ian, I've just been told I've been made redundant, so I've got uh, a week before I leave the organisation. And at that time, it was appropriate to reduce the level of challenge, offer lots and lots of support, and just listen, just let him offload. And that was appropriate at that point. But then moving into the challenge, okay, what are you going to do? How are you going to make it better? What the things you're going to do next? And creating an action, moving him into that challenge of doing something rather than feeling sorry for himself. And there could be times where you might show apathy, but you might not necessarily feel it. So there could be times where it just feels like it's so cosy. The... The coach is sitting back in their chair, and it just seems like they're not thinking, they're not taking it seriously, they're not that engaged. And sometimes I might mirror that, so I might slouch back in my chair and
2: uh, sh- yeah.
3: not be too, not be too concerned, and sigh, and you know, and it just mirrors that. Sometimes that can show show them what I'm seeing, and that creates a reaction. So I might be showing, might be behaving as if I'm apathetic, but actually it's done for a for a, a, a particular reason.
2: And it's actually challenge 'cause you're, you're yeah yeah you they're know, giving them an opportunity to see this is what this is what you look like, yeah absolutely. <laughs> this is what I'm noticing, yeah.
3: yeah,
2: yeah, that's great, and it's an interesting experience to jump go from high support high challenge in the same session,
3: yes, so I yeah. can see
2: leaders um struggle with this. So they were either, either more high support or more, a high challenge. And uh, when I started doing more of this, I can remember one particular uh, instance where somebody was going to lose her position and um, also very unsure and so needed a lot of unsure of herself. I had, had her assessment results and the sense of self was low. And um, so I knew she needed she needed some of the cozy club because she's just so hard on herself, and I could see it in the assessments. Um, but what I did to feel make myself feel more comfortable, and I think it worked, was you know uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move so and so. We've been in, I've been, you know, I'm your fan. I'm kind of telling her I'm supporting you, but I'm gonna challenge you right now. So I kind of would tell her in advance because she needed that, um, yeah. and it worked, and I felt better about it. Because you know, I was I was sharing something that specifically she was working on that she just did, you know. Anyway, I don't know. How, how do you balance that if you're doing both of those high support and high challenge in a conversation with someone? Because um, it, it can feel odd a little bit to do both of those in one conversation.
3: Yeah, that's, it can feel odd. Again, it's, it's about practicing and it's about having the belief that, the, the coaching can achieve great things and there's there's one of the principles in the in the challenging coaching where I write about um, believing the greatness of, of everybody, that everybody has potential to achieve right. fantastic things. Now, if I believe that, I can push somebody, I can challenge them because I've got this natural feeling that they can achieve more than they currently are because they're great, wonderful people. That's that's my central belief. So I challenge them Believing that they are able to do more than they currently are, so they're they're, yeah, they're a I whole resourceful that. individual, and you can do that. So yep. you can switch from the support and the challenge because I'm doing it with a positive intent. I'm not doing it to oh. overwhelm yep. the person. I'm not I'm not doing it to stress them. I'm doing it because I believe fundamentally that they they are, they can achieve greater things than they currently are. They they have got greatness inside them, and it's just for me to help them achieve that. Yep
2: that change that shifts everything. Yeah. Say that, yeah. So what about the leader who's working in an organization has uh someone on their team that they're struggling with um they're not in the real strong belief mode right now yeah. um with that person. And they here's some feedback that I have gotten uh from uh people at times when i'm talking about the support side because maybe they're uh really strong on the challenge side and causing a lot of stress and so uh i encourage the support piece and and the thought is or the response back is i'm sending a false positive if i do that if i encourage mm. this person um then i feel like i'm sending a
3: false positive
2: what do you say to that yeah i
3: think it's important not to be forced. I think it's important to be genuine. So it's not about praising somebody or supporting somebody when they don't deserve it. Right. It's it's not about challenging somebody when they they can't take the challenge or they don't the challenge isn't appropriate. It's about being genuine. And so you have to say what's on your heart. And again, one of the principles in challenging coaching that is, is talked about early on in the book is is um, speak your truth. Right. So it's talking about the truth, as you see it as an individual, so that's about yeah, say what you feel, say what you see, say how it's impacting you, and feel confident to do that and 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 so it's it's not false hope, it's about saying what you see in a very open and honest way, but you might change the tone of voice, you might change how you approach that, you might you need to understand the individual who's receiving the message and how best to word that. So again, it goes to understanding the individual. It goes yeah. to preparation. But it's not about you know, giving somebody false hope. It's been about genuine, honest feedback and telling people how it really is, whether that's good in terms of you do a fantastic job with that proposal that went to the client and the client's feedback was fantastic. You know, something like that. Or if the proposal wasn't, well, talking about, what feedback you got from the clients and, and, and using that as an opportunity to learn and correct and do something different in the future. So it's, it's all about saying it as it is in a, in a way that's going to create a difference in the future, yeah. not about emotionally uh, getting it off your chest just because you're frustrated. It's about doing it because you want this person to develop, you believe that they can develop, And through providing this conversation, by providing this feedback and having this conversation, the person will be better. Yeah. And that's that's it. The, The organization will be more efficient. The customers will be more satisfied and it will be more profitable. That's the whole point of these conversations.
2: Right. And I think in that particular situation, the part that was missing is understanding the individual. Yeah. You know, so this person, and I could see it, I knew it uh, for many reasons, one, from my coaching conversations, and two, from the assessment results, what kind of support that person was going to need is probably different from somebody else. And I, I wanted the genuine part, I wanted that to be there, of course, but also just, you know, encouraging if she's making baby steps and you still want her to be there, acknowledge some of those baby steps if they're making a difference.
3: Yeah, that's it. So it's it's about doing this skillfully and that's where it comes down to the preparation and and maybe using the support challenge 2x2 matrix in a skillful way yeah. rather than a, an emotional uncontrolled way. So you you know the individual. You know how best to approach the individual and you as a as a leader can flex your style can take an approach that's most appropriate.
2: Right. Right. Flexing your style, that's that's the key of kind of what i in this particular situation what was missing um yeah just kind of kept kept using the challenge piece uh yeah. way more than was helping this person who was mm. crying you know maybe not enough and that's okay but uh you know if you're still got them on your team then find some belief and do some encouragement uh for this particular person and you know anyway that that's helpful. Using this Good, using great. the matrix skillfully and knowing how to yes. approach and flex. That's the deal. Not always doing everybody treating everybody the exact same way. Everybody's gonna need that's different right. degrees of this.
3: Yeah. because yeah, I, I I was surprised in my early career to realize that uh, not everybody thought the way I did. <laughs>
2: yeah. How what's it, up with that, it,
3: huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's not, uh, Back to yeah. that self awareness
2: piece, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: so, how about somebody that's somebody who's maybe very comfortable with the challenge piece, and then we want we would encourage them to still speak their truth, but you know, to get better at the support side is is read the person and, and flex their style when needed. How about somebody who's struggling with the challenge side of? They're really good at support. They're a leader. Um, yeah. They're good at encouraging. Uh, but the challenge side is making them uncomfortable. Uh, maybe we no. go back to some of the tips we talked about earlier. Uh,
3: mm-hmm. But what
2: anything else you would add
3: outside of practice? Yeah. It's an interesting one because I've coached a lot of people that um, they're not good at delegating, and you you get into it. And you, I, I, I've talked to a number of people about this, and they're almost like protecting their staff. They don't want to delegate because they don't want to overwhelm them, and they don't want to stress them. So yeah. it's almost like they're protecting their people. They're they're yeah. sucking it up themselves. They're doing all the hours to do these these extra reports because they're not passing it down because they don't want to challenge the people. They want to keep them comfortable. They want to support the team. It's a great positive intention, wonderful, but they're overwhelming themselves and actually they're not developing their team. So it can be uncovering. Well, what's the thought process behind that? What are you thinking? What's the assumptions that you're making? It could be that. The the assumption in this case is that the the staff aren't able to take anything more. They're not capable. You've got to protect them. They're they're, They're overwhelmed. Well, actually, well, if the leader was to try, if the leader was to have an open conversation about, I've got this task, this report that needs to be doing, how much capacity have you got? Somebody might say, well, I see this as a wonderful developmental opportunity. I want to take this challenge. I want to do it. So it changes it. So it's almost like what's the assumption that the leader has about the positive? And usually it's a negative interpretation. What's the positive yeah. spin on the challenge? Of framing it in a way of maybe when they were challenged in the past and it had a positive outcome, what was that? So they're reflecting yeah. on their own experience. And it could be an opportunity that for them to do something different that actually pushed them outside their comfort zone but help them learn, grow and develop new skills and new abilities, raise their profile in the organisation. So challenge has a lot of positives associated with it. It's, it's, it's not just negative talk.
2: Challenging the assumptions is uh, the big key there. I can totally see that in different situations. We're like, oh, I was going to do X, Y, Z, or have this person do that, but I didn't think they wanted to or that they could. you are like, well, how do you know that? Are you sure? Have you asked them? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 Don't
3: make
2: assumptions.
3: Have a conversation.
2: Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So much of, of your whole book is about that. Have the conversation, and it's a real... Transparent, present conversation is yes, basically it. what you're teaching. I, I guess I may be summarizing it too too uh, simply, but have a conversation.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. I think I think coaching is nothing more than good communication skills. So yeah. yeah, have a dialogue. So get engaged, find out, talk to the person, understand them, and yeah, together through that dialogue, you can you can create some great things. It's, So, yeah, get into that conversation. Yep,
2: yep. Awesome. So when we look at three to five things that most get in the way of leaders using high support, high challenge with their employees, being a great coach on their team, what would you think in in your broad view, all the experience you have, the top three to five things that most get in the way of leaders finding this balance?
3: Yeah, I I think that's probably... Uh, comes down to maybe a bad experience that they've had themselves so Uh I remember talking to somebody uh, a while ago and I was talking about providing feedback to somebody and they they were saying well what's the poor individual meant to do once you've dumped all this feedback on them you know Ah. and clearly when they use those phrases, it's quite clear that they've had a bad experience of feedback that was handled in a very clumsy way in the past so you know the that previous experience can be significant. So it's reflecting, okay, what's the bad experience? What, yeah.
2: what happened? I haven't seen it done well, right. So it's like, I yeah. can't do that because it, it, yeah. it hurt me. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay, that's great.
3: Yeah. What so else? Going back to your example earlier, so there's also yeah. this, this fear of upsetting somebody that if you challenge them, you're going to upset them and they're not going to like you because most of want to be liked by other people. But it's a funny thing because when I've, when I've challenged people in a coaching situation, uh, I asked what did you value most about that and they said when, they challenge, when you challenged me and it's almost as if when you challenge somebody the respect builds the relationship actually strengthens so it's the opposite people think you'll damage the relationship but actually strengthen so you know that fear of upsetting is, is not real um, oh, and it could be point. it could be a lack of skills that they're just not able to either offer appropriate adult challenge or they're not able to offer support so it is this Look around to see what other people are doing. Reflect on that and develop your own skills through through practice. So I think those are probably the three I'd suggest. You know, the, the bad experience, the fear of obsessing somebody, and the, and the, the lack of skill and practice. I think those are the most important ones.
2: And out of those three, which one is maybe the biggest challenge or you see the most?
3: I think it's the bad experience. bad experience, it's going gonna, it's gonna to leave a scar. It's going to leave a psychological scar. So that can be very, very difficult very deep. So it's just talking those through and it's, it's thinking about, okay, what's the alternative? What do other people do? What's the possibilities of what else could happen, the upsides?
2: So to overcome that barrier, coaching with questions like that, um, yeah. what else? Seeking out role models, practice, having a model, having some of the skill, what
3: else? think of or does that cover yeah i think that's pretty good and it's it's almost again reflecting on when they might have had one bad experience that has skewed their whole judgment but they could have had a lot of smaller positive experiences but they just might have forgotten or the bad experiences overwhelmed their their memory so it's just trying to reconnect with actually when it did work well for them. yeah yeah
2: awesome so in your book, I'm going to go to page 208, and it's a similar, uh, four-part grid that I yeah. thought was, uh, Worth talking about, and it's it is freedom and responsibility uh, grid. And I want you to talk a little bit about that because I think it would help leaders with their hesitancy sometimes in having these adult conversations. And so, if you could talk a little bit about the freedom and responsibility matrix,
3: yeah, it's, it's quite
2: Tonight interesting. Important asked... challenge. Yes,
3: sorry, Go yeah. it's quite interesting. You ask about that because this this is an area of the book that we. We don't often get to because it's it's almost like it's a hidden chapter at the end at the end of the book. And sometimes it's uh, it can appear quite uh, quite radical to people, but some just absolutely love this. So we, we've got the same two by two matrix, but we've changed the axis. So on one side we've got freedom, the other side we've got responsibility. So the the idea is that, that we're either we're free, so we've got higher levels of freedom where we we can literally do whatever we want with no constraints. Um, But linked to that, there's responsibility because if we have high levels of freedom, we've got an increased level of responsibility that we've got to be responsible for actions because we can choose to do ultimately anything. But there's an increased level of responsibility that goes alongside that freedom. And so we have a a two-by-two matrix. So low freedom and low responsibility. We We have dependence. So that could be somebody who's dependent on somebody else. So they have no freedom. Um, and they have no responsibility because somebody else takes care of anything. Now, you could think of, I don't know, uh, prisoners in jail. They have no freedom. They have no responsibility because the right. um, the prison wardens look after them. Uh, they take care of them. They take the full responsibility, but there's no freedom. Then, if you if you increase the level of freedom to so a high level of freedom, but you get low levels of responsibility, then you, then you get independence. So you get people who are independent. Uh, express themselves openly but they haven't got a responsibility to worry about consequences and then if you go to low freedom and high response high responsibility you've got codependence and this is where somebody you can be dependent on another person you can be the person that is providing the care you you are looking after them so you have a a lot of freedom because you're constrained by this individual. And so again the maybe the sweet spot is the high freedom high responsibility which is the interdependence where we recognize that we are we're dependent on each other. So if my freedom is respected your freedom is respected and we take equal levels of high love, high responsibility. So we we've got this sense of interdependence we all rely on each other and it's important to to recognize that. So that's the, in society, and in the global economy, we are interdependent. We all need each other.
2: And on a team or as a leader, it, in my view, I thought, okay, if I'm having these adult conversations and I have a team, you could create this interdependent Environment where people have a high sense of freedom to make decisions, they feel empowered and a high sense of responsibility to make the right decisions. Um, you know that we all rely on each other. Uh, personally, I've, the in, the word inter, interdependent really matters to me uh, yeah. in in my life and personally and professionally. Like I want to for example, love being with my husband and spending time with him, but I also, uh, want to totally love doing my own thing if he's not accessible. So I just, that word really speaks to me, um, in business, it personally, you know, I want to be so engaged in my business that I have a lot of freedom and responsibility within it, but then I want, um, I want uh, to have both of those things and not feel tied to it, like it's uh, wearing me out. But uh, um, enjoy it. Uh, so anyway, it just seems yeah. seems so relevant to leaders because I think every leader mm. would like to create a team of interdependent
3: people. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a great way to, to be. I think it takes a brave leader to to go there because you're let, you're letting people have a free reign. You you're accepting that these people are great resourceful individuals that are going to do the right thing for the organization and you're giving them a lot of responsibility to deliver and make things happen so it's almost like you've got to you've got to be a brave leader to do that but then you go back to the support challenge matrix as well that you will support them but you'll also challenge them so you've got these two things linking yeah. together two to things work well together yeah
2: they overlay when i got to that yeah. like I love that. Because that you know, to me when I see people miserable it's because they're in one of these other quadrants. They haven't found their freedom and they're or they're not yep. feeling their responsibility. And it personally and professionally. And um so yeah. if you can get into that lane for yourself, um, and then help your people as a leader get into that lane with the high support, high challenge and having all these adult conversations, um, what a great team you would have! What a great business! Yeah, absolutely. You have.
3: Yeah. yeah, and it would just it would just motor and achieve things by itself. It's absolutely wonderful. So I think it's rare and it's brave. And this is probably why it's the the, uh, the last chapter of the book, because it, it requires that bravery and a bit of uh, a bit of a Maverick to uh, try doing things in a different way. But maybe that's where you know the courageous goals to really really take a risk and do it.
2: Yeah, there we go. That's part of our FACTS model where are having a courageous <laughs> goal. And I love what you say. I just flipped to it right now. I've got the book in my hand, 223. It says, uh, these examples point to a need for a transition from adolescence to adulthood. And that's it yeah. exactly. We're talking about having adult conversations. That's that's where we're headed. Um, if we can have more honest conversations, people, people know where you're coming from. Um, they know what's expected. And they're free to go make that change. Because now they know, and if they don't, you 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 hold them to the high challenge, and if they're trying to make the change, you support them through it. So it's just very clear to me, and you do it so well in your book. Thank
3: you. Yeah, great to hear. Thanks.
2: And when you say it takes a a leader to be brave to do that, is it all about because because you have to have to go to that high support, high challenge model to do that, or what else would you say about why you have to be brave to 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 be able to lead your team to that
3: interdependence yeah i think it's about letting go so a lot of a lot of managers they tend to um in their early career they tend to be technical experts you know they know exactly what to do and how to do it but over time they need to coordinate projects they need to lead teams they need to set strategy so they let go they lose their technical expertise but They've got to let go, but that feels that feels difficult. That feels vulnerable, um, but that's what it means. They've got to let go, um, and it's about doing things differently, and that's the risk. That's why it takes a brave leader to do that.
2: Yeah, yep. Okay, so we've covered a lot of ground, and I'm taking up uh, a lot of your time, which I really appreciate. I'm going to go into um, two questions that are a little bit more about Ian, and it'll probably tie back to our subject, My guess, is, and then our last question after that will be about last bit of advice you have, Uh but I really do appreciate what you've shared so far, and I'm hoping that, um, everyone will feel as inspired as I do around this high support, high challenge, and interdependence um, topic. But let's go back into your life and, and have you share what advice you give yourself as a 30-year-old about life, about leadership, about coaching. As you look back, based on you know, all the engagements you've had as yourself as a leader and all the leaders that you've worked with, what advice would you give yourself a
3: 30-year-old? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I suppose... To answer that, I'm thinking about a couple of a couple of books and a couple of quotes. There's one there's one great book which is uh, Susan Jeffers' book, which is Feel Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. I think that's, uh. that's a wonderful title, a wonderful book. So, I think maybe the advice I give to 30 year old myself would be that feel the fear and do it anyway. And then and then the second bit is um, Marianne Williamson's quotes, and um, the the quote there is our deepest fear is not that we are ad- inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. So it goes. It, the, the quote goes on to is quite a nice paragraph yeah. there. But I think I think that sums it up quite nicely. And those, I think those. If I gave my thirty-year-old self those two pieces of advice, I think that would be uh, that would be quite fantastic.
2: Yeah, yeah, very inspiring. So don't hold back. Realize yeah. how great you are, how much you can achieve, and go for it. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. We'll see, I love yeah. Williamson. Yeah, I'll go get the quote and put it in the show notes, too. I think it's a, the, right. the rest of the paragraph, just in case anybody hasn't heard it Yeah, that. yeah.
3: because it does go on to talk about some other things, too? It's, it's a great paragraph, so probably probably too much to do that. at the moment.
2: Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes,
3: because it is right. great.
2: I can't think of what it is, but I know every time I've read it, I think, ah. yeah. <laughs> a reminder yeah. of our own greatness and others' greatness and all the possibility. That's awesome.
3: That's right, yeah.
2: So how about a billboard? If you could have one billboard anywhere, where would you put it, and what would you (laughs) put on it? In billboard, what would it be?
3: Now, one of my favorite places in the whole world is uh, Zion National Park in uh, Utah. I've been to the States a number of times, and had wonderful vacations there, and there's something special about Zion National Park, there really is. Now, I probably couldn't have a billboard there. <laughs> but <laughs> but if? Is a place. if? If I possibly could, that would be the place that I would have it, because it's such a majestic place. And I think what it would say on that billboard would be, challenge sooner and more often. And I think that would be like, the phrase that would sum everything up.
2: Challenge sooner and more often. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. So leaders hold back. they don't They don't do it soon yeah. enough. And they don't do it often enough. Coaches right. leaders.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: That's great. That is great. I love that. And then so we'll go to a close in and talk about okay. or ask you to share one bit of advice or wisdom you want every leader to take away from this interview.
3: Uh what would that be? I think just believe in yourself and believing being authentic and the the balance of support and challenge and using those things and practicing those things that's that's the, the the way to achieve greatness through others great
2: well ian thank you so much for your work your heart and your sharing today it's been
3: awesome it was a pleasure Susan. thank you very much it's been a great conversation it's really enjoyable so thanks very much for inviting me along and great to talk with you
0: thank you all right I hope you got as much as I did out of uh, the podcast and that you enjoyed Ian and his input. And I want to let you remind you where the show notes are so you can see some of the models that we talked about, the uh, support challenge matrix, the freedom and responsibility matrix. I've got images there as well as notes around what Ian shared. Um, It's at pricelessprofessional.com slash support challenge. Um, I wanted to just touch base on some of the the highlights. These are also in the show notes. I, I wanted to remind you that according to research, something we started out with when we were talking on the podcast, according to research, people learn and grow best when there's a balance between support and challenge. So you're finding the balance between trust and rapport and taking people out of their comfort zone and finding that sweet spot is where people learn and grow best and most of the time I know uh, for myself and then when I'm coaching others I notice uh, we're usually particularly good at one or the other we're really good at the support and trust and not so good at the challenge and taking people out of their comfort zone or vice versa and so I loved what Ian talked about is paying attention to the level of tension. If there's not enough tension, you're doing too much support. And if there's too much tension, you're doing too much of taking people out of their comfort zone. So using Zood, you know, getting comfortable with it so that you find the right balance so that uh, you can help people reach high performance. And um, in some of the, Tips that he had, I wanted to expand on, too, around how to get more comfortable with tension and and to be okay with the Zood, zone of uncomfortable debate, knowing that that is... Uh, a good place to be done well and with the right amount of balance. Um, so one of the things he talked about is self-awareness is one tool, just being aware of yourself and your own tendencies. And, uh, many of you who I work with and are listening to this are, are aware of the trimetrics assessment. That is an assessment that gives you insight into self-awareness. What is my style? What are my bl- strengths? What are my blind spots? What are my drivers, my motivators? Um, You know, how am I thinking? What's under the hood? So the trimetrics assessment and just keeping track of what's happening there, understanding what's being measured there, understanding how you come across to others, what your strengths are. That's a great place to um, build self-awareness in your leadership and help you in this area of finding that right balance between strength, uh, between support and challenge. Another thought I had when he talked about practice is I totally agree that practicing this is the way you get better and I liked and didn't mention during the interview but the process that I teach it is a, a communication course correction kind of process it's four steps and it's WPSA and the, each letter represents a step and it's a good model of providing support and challenge and I wanted to mention that because I did a podcast on it and if you're not familiar familiar with it and you're trying to get better at doing zood, getting in the uncomfortable place as well as maybe get better at support, WPSA could help you do that. So go to the podcast I recorded on that it walks you through the steps. You can look at the show notes. It's uh slash wp s a all together lowercase I also did a short little it's been a long time ago that I created this but it's a little workbook and an audio file it's a online self-study type class and it's the title of it is what everybody ought to know about workplace communication and it, it is like a mini workshop that you could do on your own and it includes 15 minutes of time with me where you can practice where you actually take a situation where you're trying to do better at the high support high challenge and practice that with me so so I want to mention that in case that course is interesting to you. I'll make sure there's a link to it in the show notes. I also wanted to mention another podcast that I did, Feed Forward and Triad Calls. They're uh, what I call magic motivation tools. And I did an interview with uh, Dennis Walenta, who's a, a senior vice president at one of my clients tpi hospitality and, and he talks about how he uses that uh, uses those tools so if you want to um, find out more about that go to pricelessprofessional.com dennis lowercase all one word and you'll see that podcast and you can um, see those tools feed forward and triad calls are another way to get comfortable with the uncomfortable having that tension Um, A couple of the things he talked about is, and I talked about it as well, role models, seeing people who are really good at this and and modeling that. Um, One of the things that Dennis talks about in the interview that I did with him around feed forward and triad calls and a comment that's helped him and the people he manages get better at being authentic and telling people exactly what's going on and talking about problems as well as solutions is remembering it's not bullets it's not going to kill you or them to have this conversation so you know managing our emotional reactions so that we get comfortable with zood Um, uh, like also what we closed with in the interview where ian says if you want this mix of freedom and responsibility where you have employees on your team who are interdependent so they, they they feel responsible, and they also have freedom to make decisions, and that is the support and challenge. You know, They overlay on top of each other those two concepts. If you want that kind of culture, it takes being a brave leader because you have to be willing to let go. You have to be willing to be authentic, um, and, and you have to believe in yourself and have that belief in other people. Um, so I think those are some of my favorite points. There are many, many good points in the interview, but I wanted to recap those for you. So, lastly, I want to share and close with a quote that Ian started with. He talked a little bit about it. It's Marianne Williamson. She's an author and speaker, and I've seen her speak and she is and read her material. It's inspiring uh, information, and most of all, I love this quote. And at the title of the quote or this statement is "Our biggest fear." So, let me read it to you. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, Who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. liberates others so uh to close rising tides raise all ships so if you believe in yourself and you believe in the power of being authentic and you believe in the power of supporting and challenging others and creating this freedom and responsibility environment well from this space your own belief helps others find their belief so you can't give people what you don't already have so um use the high support high challenge to help others find their belief and as you're doing that find your own belief in yourself so i look forward to connecting with you on the next podcast if you have any comments about the podcast or are willing to leave a review it would be awesome if you did that i'd appreciate it Um, And thank you so much. We'll see you on the next episode. Take care.
1: This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to PricelessProfessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources.